This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When the world is in trouble, when our future is in danger, we call upon one man. But when he's busy, he calls five girls. Columbia Pictures presents The Spice Girls. All right, we're coming. In their film debut, Victoria, Emma, Mel B, Jerry, and Mel C. They're ready for action. Girl power. They're dressed to kill. Well, that's shaken or stirred. And thoroughly prepared for any encounter. It's a story of love. I think with boys, you should be able to just wheel them in. Yeah, and order them like a pizza. Yeah, no cheese. Compassion. It's really too hot in here. I need a fan. And misunderstanding. When the speeding melon hits the wall, yeah. it's Christmas for the crows. What did he say? I haven't a clue. There's more like it. This January. Would you like an hors d'oeuvre? No. But I'll have one of these pie things. Make your choice. Oh, I like the blonde one. No, 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 no. Sporty. Rock your world. And spice up your life with the Spice Girls. Spice World. Yeah, but can they act? Um, blah, blah, blah. Um, girl power, feminism, do you know what I mean? So today is a special episode of the podcast because we're talking about the Spice Girls movie Spice World. And I'm joined by Barbara Mendes-George from the Over Underrated podcast. Hello. Hi, Sophie. How are you doing? I'm good. I've enjoyed reading a lot about the Spice Girls over the last few days. Yeah, I didn't do too much research because I thought I thought you might. But um, I really enjoyed watching the film and feeling very nostalgic about the late 90s. <laughs> mm-hmm, definitely. So, yeah, we're talking about Spice World today because this month... December is the 25th anniversary of its release and it's sort of a precursor to the S Club 7 TV series in a way because it was written by Kim Fuller and the Spice Girls were managed by Simon Fuller before they fired him and he went on to create S Club 7 out of revenge presumably. Um, He said in an interview that S Club 7 was in some ways a continuation of some of the things he would have liked to have done with the Spice Girls next if they hadn't fired him. Um, And he also said, this is a quote, I wanted to build my next project that couldn't disband and break up and that was mine. (laughs) Which feels like it should be followed by like more. <laughs> yeah, very Machiavellian. Yeah, when you realise that Spice World is written by Kim Fuller, 
everything makes more sense about S Club, really. Um, yeah, it just so many random non sequiturs, so many bad jokes, so many jokes aimed at not the kids that the clear main audience for a Spice Girls film. I can't wait to get into it. Yeah, it has a very similar tone to the TV show, the S Club TV show, but there's clearly a lot more money involved. Like there are all these wild guest stars doing these cameos. And I think the girls themselves are really sort of doing everything they can to sell this material that they've been given. Definitely. And I, so I saw it when it came out at the cinema and I remember it being so hyped that people in the cinema were like sitting in the aisles because they were just so keen to watch it. (laughs) And I hadn't revisited it since, but I did listen to the Bechtel cast uh, episode on Spice World and it made it sound more fun than I remembered it. Um, And yeah, I'm really glad, especially for the cameos now that I'm older because I know who they are. And I, I I think, yeah, it's, it's better than the S Club 7 TV show. That's for sure. And like you say, I think part of it is because the the, the girls aren't terrible actors. Um, I, I They were better than I thought they, they would be, to be honest. Yeah, because I read, you know, they were obviously nominated for all these like Razzie Awards mm. when the film came out. They won the Razzie Award collectively for Worst Actress. I, I think it's one of those things where you know, looking back on it, it didn't really deserve that level of hate, but perhaps it got that sort of reaction because it was like for girls, you know, like obviously I'm not saying like Twilight is amazing, but I feel like Twilight got a lot more hate than it actually deserved because it was for girls. Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, I, the, the one quote I did find that I wanted to, to read out. So um, a journalist from the New York times, Adana Stanford said that when she watched it later, you know, after many years, she thought the film was much smarter and more self-aware than I once gave it credit for. The Spice Girls were working the absolutely very sexist system and making a lot of money off it, but they were doing it slyly with a wink and a grin. They were, I think, misunderstood at the time. And I wonder if an irreverent, breezy group like theirs could even exist today, which I, yeah, I thought was really interesting. I think irreverent, definitely, because, yeah, they, it really is taking the piss out of themselves, you know, adhering to all the stereotypes and they, and they go in for it with, uh, with seemingly with glee. Yeah. It's the plot of the film is very like, it's the girls against the world and Mm. men don't really factor into it. Like there's no subplot where one of the girls has a a love interest or anything like that. Like, I think you can tell that they were very involved, you know, even though it's written by Kim Fuller, I think they were very involved in like putting together the actual story. I read somewhere that when they were getting big, Disney originally approached them about doing a Spice Ooh. Girls movie and they turned them down. Mm-hmm. And so I think this plot is probably quite them being a bit sort of like, we're going to do our own thing. We're not going to mm-hmm. do a kind of cheesy, you know, origin story movie about the Spice Girls overcoming adversity. Like we're just going to do it our own way. Like, as they did throughout their whole sort of careers, really. Like that's reading about them. That is something that really stands out to me versus S Club 7. Like mm-hmm. as that Simon Fuller quote sort of demonstrates, you know, he put S Club 7 together and it was very like, you're my band. I've put you together. You're very young. So you're going to just go along with everything I say and be compliant and we're going to mm-hmm. work you really hard. Um, mm-hmm. um, With the Spice Girls, they were a lot more like kind of a, 
independent and wanting to do their own thing and they fired him because they wanted to manage themselves like they were kind of uncontrollable really yeah um and i think it says in the opening credits you know based on an idea or written by kim fuller based on an idea with the spice girls or something like that which is yeah centering the the band much more um but did you read about the potential follow-up film the sequel (laughs) Yeah, I saw that on Wikipedia. I mean, <laughs> I love them, but I don't I don't know who wants to see that. Yeah, the fact that it's animated as well, that feels very much like the Viva Forever music video is what, what comes to mind. Did you watch the Spice Girls musical? Because there was one, wasn't there? With, with no, I, yeah, a short-lived Spice mm. Girls musical. Yeah, I didn't see that one. Um, but that didn't set anything alight, did it? No, I I mean, I remember being quite fascinated by it at the time because obviously the reviews were so bad and like, yeah, I don't think that's one that people have really remembered very fondly. It's not, I don't think it's like a cult favourite or anything. Yeah. Um, trying to do the, the Mamma Mia sort of thing where they take the Spice Girls songs and, you know, put a plot around it with random characters. Yeah. Um, this is the thing, like, what I found about the film that's quite interesting is actually kind of how little music features when when there are songs and they're playing them live it is very s club seven actually like in the opening credits it's very s club seven where like they're just they're standing in a room and suddenly they're at a show and you're like okay (laughs) like again I, I feel like I've seen this before somewhere but the Spice Girls have so many bangers and there are so few songs played kind of at any length during the film and so many of their good songs are played kind of like for 15 seconds in the background and I think that was a bit of a missed opportunity there and I yeah it's a shame that a musical would get those negative reviews because I mean surely how how hard can it be to to make a jukebox musical when the band has such strong songs and they have ballads and they have faster songs missed opportunity I think yeah, and one of the songs that does feature in the film is a cover of a Gary Glitter song. <laughs> yes. <laughs> of all the songs. <laughs> Did you read what happened? Because he actually had a four-minute cameo, cameo yeah. appearance. Uh, but shortly before released, he was arrested on child pornography uh, charges. But yeah, they, apparently they cut him up, but they agreed to to keep the song in, I guess because it's part of this big plot point where they go to Milan where there is <laughs> this really important plot point <laughs> oh my god the most offensive Italian stereotype of a man Jesus Christ like a, a guy with a cigar going like this oh god that was so bad and it's like but also the fact that the song My Boy Lollipop as well features for so yeah. long when they're in the boat with the kids and I'm like wh- why like <laughs> who picked these songs and when I'm like I'm thinking it's Kim Fuller. <laughs> Yeah, I, I read as well that there was also supposed to be a cameo by Gianni Versace, but he died before the film was released, so oh, that was right. cut out. And there were also apparently some references to Princess Diana that had to be cut out because oh, she course. died in like it was clearly an eventful few months between them like shooting the film and releasing it. Yeah, because... It's like right, we have to cut these people out, we have to cut these jokes out because she's died. Yeah. I mean, I just looked it up because I if you'd asked me, I would have thought this was a film in like 98 or 99, but no, it's 97. So they were really at the ultimate peak of their powers, right? Because Wannabe came out in um, in 96 and there were songs from their first two albums in the in the film. So I guess that explains why they could, yeah, kind of have, have as much power and input into the film as they did. But 
it does still feel like somewhat of a fever dream. Yeah, reading about it this week, I was quite surprised by the time scale of everything because, mm-hmm. like, when I was younger, this came out when I was five. Um, mm-hmm. Like, it felt to me like the Spice Girls were around for ages. Mm. But looking at it now, it was actually quite a short period of time because they, yeah. so they released Wannabe, their first single, in July 1996. Mm-hmm. The first album came out in November and Spice World was filmed the following summer. So only a year after they've released their first single, they're starring in like a massive film. Mm-hmm. Um, the film was, you know, rushed out quite quickly, December 1997. By the time the film came out, they had fired Simon Fuller. Mm-hmm. Um, and just a few months after that, in May 1998, Jerry announced she was leaving the band. Yeah. So this has all happened in like a two year period. Um, I was surprised by that, like the fact that they had this film on the go so quickly into their careers. See, yeah, that's funny because I'm I'm a bit older than you. So I was 10 when this film came out. So I was prime, prime fodder for the Spice Girls. Like the Spice Girls were massive, absolutely massive at school. I don't know if you ever saw or remotely got into the Spice Girls photo books at all. No, I don't think so. So there were two of them. The first one, I think I managed to almost complete it, minus two, where it was just like you swapped Spice Girls photos like you would swap stickers. and you had Pokemon sort of thing, trading them. Um, And yeah, like so many, especially girls in my school were massive, massive Spice Girls friends. Like I remember going to birthday parties where we do dance routines to the Spice Girls. And, you know, there's this flashback scene in the, in Spice World where you know, they touch very briefly on their origin story, which is not their origin story. You know, it's them <laughs> in a cafe. And I remember a girl in my school being like, oh, that's actually not how it happened. This is actually the story <laughs> of how they formed. And I was like, wow, okay, you know a lot more about this than I do. So I... What, the film isn't a documentary? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, but I mean, fair enough. She would have been, yeah, 10 as well, right? So it'd be like, but why? Why are they telling us lies about my my favorite band so it it, when jerry left like oh my god i remember it being such a huge huge deal um yeah i remember people talking about it in school like i think mm. someone like said it in a lesson or something they clearly like heard (laughs) it somewhere and it was yeah i i saw a clip on youtube from um news round where a little girl was talking about jerry leaving the band and she said something like i just think she's let the whole country down (laughs) Jerry Halliwell, otherwise known as Ginger Spice, has announced she's left the Spice Girls, ending days of speculation about her future. She blamed differences between her and the rest of the group. The remaining Spice Girls said they were saddened, but would carry on as a foursome. So the Spice Girls, Britain's top-earning pop group, have split. Jerry was my favourite, so I was a bit upset. Um, Actually, I did start crying, because... Well, I think she was the best best girl. She didn't have the nicest voice, but she was the most determined. I think everything was fine with five, and now that Jerry's leaving, she's sort sort of letting the whole country down. Oh, but you know what? Like, revisiting this film, it kind of made me understand their success even more. I think they do seem totally just, well, not not themselves, but almost, you know, they just seem so... Um, so confident and so with it. And I think women in music very often, it's like, I don't know, you were either very 
fragile and kind of singing ballads or, you know, I don't know, alternative, rocky, aggressive. I don't think there was ever a pop band like the Spice Girls where it just seemed like five talented but kind of down-to-earth girls who could, you know, who could be your neighbours, who could be your friends. And that really comes across in the film, I think. Yeah, it definitely would have cemented that feeling in in their young fans, I think. Yeah, it's weird for me because I, I can't really remember a time before the Spice Girls. Mm. So it was strange reading this week about how unique they were at the time just for being a girl band marketed at young girls because mm-hmm. apparently at the time it was thought that if you want to appeal to young girls in music, you have to make a boy band because that's yeah. what the girls want. Yeah. Um, and I read something like, you know, certain magazines, like I think Smash Hits, initially didn't want them on the cover because they were like really? we've got a, we've got a female readership they're not going to be interested in a girl group wow um, i don't think it was just smash it's it was like there was a list of several magazines like people were kind of like you're crazy making a, a girl band to appeal to girls but yeah they <laughs> obviously brought this whole thing of like you know girls identifying with them and looking up to them and yeah, I remember playing Spice Girls in the playground and mm-hmm. everyone had their favourite. And then, Of course, mine was Baby. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever get to play Baby? Did you have, like play Spice Girls at all? Uh, no, it was really, I think, dance routines is what I remember. Yeah. It, would, it would be kind of like, right, you know, we're, we're going to now learn the dance routine to who do you think you are? Was what, what I, <laughs> and obviously stop as well. Stop. I still remember the, the dance routine now to that kind of putting your hands in front. Um, but going back very briefly to the, the photo albums one, one of the funniest stories that I remember from that was, um, so I went to a mixed primary school, like mixed gender. And there was this boy called Christopher who wanted to swap a photo of Jerry and Emma in the cat suits for the Say You'll Be There music video, right? Mm. Looking very, let's say, boobalicious. He wanted to swap it for nine photos. And this girl came up to me and she's like, Barbara, I don't understand what's going on here. Like, why <laughs> Why would he want it? And even at, I was, I must've been nine or 10. And, and but it was, it was like, I understand. <laughs> like, I, I, I understand. So, you know, there was some appeal to, to boys like definitely boys were involved in the swapping of the of the photos but I do feel like it was more girls who were yeah I don't know buying the records and doing the dance routine like I um won a Pepsi t-shirt because I there was like a Spice Girls scratch card competition at WH Smith if I remember correctly (laughs) as I said you know there's the photos there was all this merch all these products like that really that really again kept them very much in the public consciousness yeah they were just kind of everywhere weren't they yeah yeah no it was it was insane it was like I do I do remember it being you know the the kind of meteoric rise to fame and then yeah Jerry leaving and it just kind of changing dramatically and I I really liked them like I I I really liked them and I think their first album especially is so is so good and some of the more underrated songs are their non-singles that are to the end of the album really like if you can't dance and naked and stuff like that really good and I mean I I have to say I think I was one of the girls who I think those marketeers would have been targeting because I was much more obsessed with five than than Spice Girls if I if I had to mm-hmm. pick like I I enjoyed yeah there being maybe you know a sporty who is a bit less feminine I, I think that looking at the film and that that was very important because I think if it had just been five very girly girls, I don't think it would have worked. 
yeah, they all definitely got their kind of distinct personalities and like some of them are a bit leery, some of them are a bit more shy. Mm-hmm. Like it's like something for everyone, really. Definitely. Um, although in the film it's a bit surreal because okay, they're all playing into the stereotypes. Okay, so Emma's always eating lollipops, Sporty's doing sports, Scary's shouting, and, and Posh comes across as quite vacuous. But Jerry's, you know, pers- Jerry's thing seems to be that she knows random facts. Like there's a lot of mention yeah. of manta rays, <laughs> and they're like, what? <laughs> It's like, well, she's ginger spice. That's not a personality trait. So what personality traits can we give her? (laughs) She comes up with annoying facts and they all seem to be kind of rolling their eyes at her a lot of the time. Yeah, which wasn't so good because it's like, oh, you know, actually that is quite a good personality trait. Like the, the, the slightly nerdy girl, but... Yeah, I feel like they've kind of given that to the wrong person in a way because that, yeah, that didn't seem to be her vibe. Not saying that Jerry isn't intelligent, but that didn't seem to be Ginger Spice's vibe in any case. Yeah, they're very... I I enjoyed the bit where she's playing chess with uh, and trying to explain the rules to (laughs) Mel B and and Mel B is like, says who? And she's like, says Mr. Chess. Chess. (laughs) I mean... There are some great lines and and some great cameos in this film. Yeah, in terms of the plot of this film, if anyone mm. listening hasn't seen it for a while, um, good luck, Sophie. The, <laughs> the, so the Spice Girls are obviously playing themselves. They've reached a point in their careers where they are incredibly famous, and I feel like the film is about being famous, really, and it, it mm-hmm. weirdly doesn't present it as being a lot of fun. Which I guess this is the whole, you know, them being involved in coming up with the story. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, throughout the film, basically, they're constantly overworked and knackered. They never get to have any time off. They're always complaining. They have this friend who is pregnant and they're not spending as much time with her as they'd like to. Um, And we see them like doing photo shoots, going to events at one point they fly to Italy and back again in like a day to be on a TV show. They have to go to a dance camp. Mm-hmm. Um, they live on a bus. Do they even have homes? Um, <laughs> like It's just like their schedules are nonstop and they're just not having a particularly good time being the Spice Girls. It's kind of like all these men interfering really, isn't it? Like there's the manager, the manager's manager, mm-hmm. and then like... Barry Humphreys plays a sort of um, Rupert Murdoch sort of figure who wants to take them down. There's like a creepy photographer following them around. It's just loads of men trying Mm -hmm. to sort of interfere with the Spice Girls really and like spoiling the fun for them. It's honestly so prescient when you think about the big reunion that came afterwards. Like that is exactly what pop bands in the late 90s were going through. They were absolutely worked to death. And if you were, especially an all-girl band, you're gonna have lots of men taking advantage of you. And what I found quite interesting is like there is still some moments that are so gross, like the aliens who kind of <laughs> grope Mel B and want to kiss from Jerry. There's lo- there's loads of jokes about Jerry's boobs, which is like really just yeah. Um but you have you definitely have that but on the other hand like they are always standing up for themselves and you know like and even talking about feminism which i'm like again in the late 90s that wasn't really happening in a in a mainstream way they were they were the ones doing it and i mean there's lots to be said about kind of the spice girls particular brand of girl power feminism but i i think it was i think it was important i think it was an awakening definitely for me 
Yeah, definitely. There's, there's a bit in the film, is there, where Jerry is like talking to a man in a bar and being all kind of like, oh, you know, sometimes men get intimidated by us because we've got opinions and the guy is clearly intimidated <laughs> yeah. and like runs away. Yeah, it's Craig and... Kelly from uh, Queer as Folk. Like, oh my God, I've written down all the oh, cameos really? that I recognised. It's, it's like, I'm sure we'll get into it, but that was that was quite funny to see him, as, as with so many, see them for like a second and then just disappear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's... um. It's very critical of like the press and the tabloids, this film, mm-hmm. like they're being hounded 24-7. There's a bit where this felt very sort of late 90s, early 2000s. There's a bit where there's all these like paparazzi and their manager says, not up the skirts, yes! thank you very much. I wrote that down as well. And I was like, oh man, like that is again so... So impressive. I mean, that was still happening in the early 2000s. This came out in 97. When you think about all the upskirting... And, and stuff like that. Um, yeah, it, it is funny how it both kind of still perpetuates that and criticizes that at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like that that seems to be, yeah, that kind of mixed tone goes throughout the whole film, really. Because like you said before, they're, you know, they've all got their themed areas of the bus, like Sporty's mm-hmm. on an exercise bike. Victoria is really kind of obsessed with how she looks. But then there's all this talk of like, oh, why do people judge us by what we do and say and like it's like they're in the personas but then they're also kind of complaining about people judging them by the personas it's kind of like a bit of a mixed message I think on those bits of the film the Victoria scenes made me think oh she's the Tina of this (laughs) that's exactly what they did to Tina but yeah one of the funniest moments I I wrote down was when they're with Dominic West as the photographer as you do and um, they're talking about, oh, you know, why should we have these names? We should be like Bricklayer Spice or Train Spotter Spice. And I was like, that would be amazing. <laughs> Imagine Bricklayer Spice. Hold it there. Now give it to me. Why don't we give each other new characters? Like what? I'll tell you what, what about Bricklayer Spice? Sexy, come on, energy. Or um, Train Spotting Spice. Smashing. What about sporty? But I am actually interested in the other things. Spice. Oh. Go for it, girls. Go for it. Come on. Or cheesed off with Special. cheesy photo session spice. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. 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 Let's go do our own thing. Come on. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. That was a fun scene where they're all kind of like dressing up. Well, they're dressing up as different characters and then they dress up as each other. Yeah. And Mel B is dressed as Jerry and go, again, people being harsh to Jerry in this film. Maybe this is why she left. Like (laughs) Mel B is dressed up as Jerry and is like, blah, blah, girl power, feminism. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) What a burn. Uh, And what I loved in that scene as well is how, you know, they're all dressed as each other and Jerry's dressed as Mel C Sporty Spice and they're all complaining about how uncomfortable their outfits are. And Jerry's like, oh, this is really comfortable, actually. Like, I quite like the sound of this. And it's like, that's what being a woman is as well. <laughs> you know, like, there are so many kind of universal female experiences in this that I wasn't expecting uh, to happen. And 
I think apart from the, you know, the the uh, Barry Humphreys, Jason Fleming scenes, which were absolutely insane. Um, <laughs> I thought I thought this had some really great funny lines. And I, I think Richard E. Grant absolutely makes this film like he he is playing the character as it's meant to be played. You know, he's not a parody. He he's playing like the manager who who's very stressed all the time and wants to get them everywhere. I, I loved him in this film. I don't know what you thought, but I, I adored him. Yeah, he's so dramatic, like <laughs> really chewing the scenery throughout the whole thing. Yeah, with his sideburns and little soul patch beard. It looks incredible. And yeah, the the very meta post credit scene where he's on a mobile phone being like, yeah, I have to pay their manager and they want me to be shouting into my mobile phone all the time. <laughs> Yeah, I particularly enjoy his name's Clifford, isn't it? Yeah. Um towards the end of the film where he's having like a full-on meltdown because the girls might not show up for the show. Mm-hmm. Um because yeah, their friend's gone into labor and he there's one point where he screams, yes, it I can't take this long to have a baby. This is the 90s. <laughs> exactly. One of the best lines. Absolutely one of the best lines. But can we please talk about I, I need to talk about the Barry Humphreys scenes because <laughs> they they make no sense. So it seemed to me that it, they were complaining about having to write about the Spice Girls all the time. So they wanted yeah. to find ways to in which to bring them down. But I'm like, at, you know, if you think about it for two seconds, it makes no sense. Because if they write about the Spice Girls and they get people buying their papers, why would they be upset about this? Yeah, because <laughs> he, he says like, oh, I, you know, I hate having to put them in the papers every day. Let's destroy them. And then he also says, oh, how about that headline? That's going to sell even more papers it's like but do you want to i don't understand (laughs) if they're helping you so sell so many papers why do you want them to just like stop existing and there are some absolutely classic banter lines of them saying who cares if the spice girls climb to the top of mount everest or if they found a cure for deja vu or if they find a cure for deja vu (laughs) brilliant and then the the even better one the the one where once you know that it's kim fuller you're like ah of course when they're talking about bringing in Richard O'Brien as the the creepy photography, <laughs> Jason Fleming says, I got the guy who got the Fergie toe-sucking pictures, the Teletubbies taking a poo, and Bill Clinton tucking his shirt in. <laughs> <laughs> Just amazing, amazing. It's definitely like these are jokes that the kids will not understand. Apart from, the te- we'll slip in the Teletubbies taking a poo. That's one for the kids. That's what Kim Fuller thinks kids like. And to be fair, like I'm sure that many kids laughed at that because that is quite transgressive, isn't it? Like, you know, the Teletubbies, who are very wholesome, <laughs> taking a poo. Uh, yeah, the other thing that felt very S Club as well was uh, the family-friendly swears. So I noted the use of a div uh bleeders yeah. and flick off <laughs> was my favorite yeah div that was a real throwback they're like yeah they're rehearsing aren't they and someone in the band messes something up and mel b is like sort your fingers out you div <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> flick off as well i mean who i i don't think i even i said that as a kid come on <laughs> mm-hmm. i love um Richard O'Brien is this creepy photographer who is like something out of a horror film, like very on brand for Richard O'Brien. He's like disguising himself in all these different places. And there's one bit where he comes out of a toilet and it's like something out of a horror film. (laughs) When they're in this big haunted house style as well. Oh, just, yeah. But I mean, some of of the cameos. So Roger Moore 
I, they, I, I was just thinking, like, they must have paid him and, and Meatloaf so much money because they're basically there also taking the piss out of themselves, right? Like, Roger Moore is basically playing a James Bond villain. Yeah, <laughs> stroking various animals Animal throughout the film. feeding a pig at one point. <laughs> and Meatloaf saying... Meatloaf, who is the bus driver, by the way, if you haven't seen the film, of course, um, saying, I would do anything for those girls, but I won't do that. with talking about unblocking their toilets. I mean, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> that is such a, like, joke for the parents again. Yeah. But yeah, what what were some of your favourite cameos? Yeah, Roger Moore is a good one. I love how they've clearly filmed his bits like on a completely separate day because he's of in a course. completely separate location and we only ever see him on the phone to Richard E. Grant. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I love that. He's like stroking a cat, then stroking a big rabbit and then a tiny pig and then he's bottle feeding a pig. Like it's just escalating every time. And speaking in like aphorisms that make no sense at all <laughs> and when the chicken goes to the morning I, I mean i can't even remember any of them either but uh yeah i've just i've written one down oh which yeah is, which one when the speeding melon hits the wall it's christmas for the crows <laughs> i mean that is quite funny i think i tried to write some of the others down but i was like this is too long i can't write down this whole <laughs> sentence and yeah, Alan Cumming is yeah. a guy who's trying to make a documentary about the spice girls so he's always kind of following them around but barely interacting with them throughout the whole film he's just kind of in the background and whenever he does interact with them they're just kind of like go away yeah and it, he's doing an english accent as well which again is referenced in the post-credit scenes where he's like oh i have to speak in an english accent and you're like yeah but yeah why <laughs> this film's so meta i mean it, it is meta and i think the most meta thing i felt um the, I, two of the cameos that I'd completely forgotten about because you I mean yeah I knew about meatloaf and stuff like that the the Stephen Fry being a judge scene I thought was so interesting because he's basically saying like you know you're you are condemned to being famous for a very short space of time and you are condemned to like was it like guest on reality tv shows or something like that and i was like oh my god like, this is yeah he's like harsh. um he's like giving them a punishment because their new single hasn't done as well in the charts yes. or something it hadn't got, it didn't go to number one or something because i i think there you know there was a period where every single spice girl song went to number one because they were so famous yeah i think um, they broke a record or something but I, I think if I had to pick a favorite cameo, just because I, I couldn't remember it, it might be Hugh Laurie as Poirot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I read that um, the director of this film, a weird choice, he he only had directed one film before this, but he Who has directed it? a lot of TV comedy, including he directed some French and Saunders stuff and some oh. Fry and Laurie stuff. So that explains why some of those people are here, because Jennifer Saunders pops up as well, doesn't yeah. she? As a kind of superficial fashionista. But um, <laughs> Hugh Laurie playing Poirot in a scene where they're, they're, it, it's, it's, it's a flashback that's meant to demonstrate that Emma's so innocent and lovely that all she needs to do is smile and gets away with murder. And so it's a Poirot scene where he, you know, he's doing the roundup and, of the people in the room and Emma Bonton's got like a, possibly a gun or at least like some bullets around her, but then she smiles at him and he says it was the vicar or, or something. <laughs> and I'm like, you, you're just like... you. you Again, you're bringing in these big stars. You're probably paying them a lot of money for this. Like, that's it. (laughs) It doesn't make sense. Yeah, Bob Geldof shows up for a few seconds. Elton John shows up for a few seconds. Uh, Elvis Costello as the bartender. That that was a funny 
thing. Oh, so, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, because uh, it, it happens when when Deborah. So Deborah is the kind of I guess the Clifford's assistant or another kind of manager of the Spice Girls. And when he's drowning his sorrows because he thinks the Spice Girls aren't going to turn up for the the show at the Royal Albert Hall. She says, fame is such a fickle thing. And then she turns to the bartender and goes like, I don't know, gin and tonic or something. And it's Elvis Costello. <laughs> and then it looks like she's going to say something else to him meaningful. But she goes, yeah, can you make that a double? <laughs> <laughs> um, I also very much enjoyed uh, uh, Jerry turning into Bob Hoskins. Yep. <laughs> and saying girl power equalization between the sexes. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, and yeah, I'd, I hadn't realized that Deborah was Claire Rushbrook who's, you know, an amazing actress who's been in, yeah, Secrets and Lies. I, I really love her in My Mad Fat Diary, where she plays the mum. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that, I knew it was Richard Heed Grant, but she'd, she totally evaporated. But yeah. Yeah, and I also, I had a new appreciation for um, the two guys who play the sort of movie producers who keep yes. pitching ideas because one of them is uh norm from cheers which i've been That's watching recently That's and a, the other yeah. one is a very young glenn from superstore oh my god which i actually yes. didn't realize until i looked at imdb afterwards i didn't oh. recognize him because i was like yeah I, I i was like that's not john goodman but it's someone like john goodman and i i couldn't quite um put my finger on it oh my god yes it is glenn that's insane looking very cute and young very cute you know but that that was again it was so meta of like they're these movie producers pitching these terrible ideas to richard e grant and then what happens towards the end is that yeah that what they are pitching is actually what is happening in the film which that's quite funny and smart really um yeah because with the bus chase it's like did that happen was it all fictional <laughs> like it's and at the end of the credits again they're mm-hmm. like oh, what happened to the bomb on the bus? Like, yeah. there's just no reality in this film at all. It's so confusing. Yeah. Um, I uh, also wanted to discuss the fact that the guy who did the music was Paul Hardcastle. Do you know him? I recognise the name. Who is he? So he's the guy who did that song, 19, about the Vietnam War. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> so when it came up, like, quite early on in the credits, I was like, hang on, what? The same what music castle? did he do? Because I feel like most of the time when there's music in this film, it's like Spice Girls songs in the background. Or my boy Lollipop for whatever reason. Yeah, I don't I don't know what songs he did. I I, I think I noted down kind of all the Spice Girls songs that I recognised. Um but uh and yeah, I, I didn't recognise any of his. Any other cameos? I've got one more was um in my most hated part of the film, Michael Barrymore is a choreographer right. called Mr. Step. And right. I didn't I didn't find this funny when I was a child. I still don't find this funny now. Like it's like he's playing a sort of low-rent Monty Python character or something. So I have to say, I I I loved it, but I also was like, what the hell's going on? <laughs> it's just such a weird choice. <laughs> such like... a weird choice because yeah i i remember watching michael barry I, I loved michael barrymore as a as a tv presenter when i was a kid and there's mm-hmm. I, I i love the physicality of his comedy like the whole time he was on screen i i was laughing and it was kind of like i was laughing despite myself you know it's because if you thought about it for a second you're like what is going on but he 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 was physically funny but yeah he plays a choreographer who's dressed up in an army uniform and he's trying to teach the girls a dance routine, but yeah, it doesn't make any sense. And then it segues into 
a song which I think was called Sound Off, which is <laughs> the Spice Girls doing um, kind of a, an army chant, which has an amazing line, which is, we know how we got this far, strength and courage and a wonder, brah, which was <laughs> one of my favorite lines. But I I think I, I, I kind of would agree that he could have been much better used as something else because... Yeah, and like, it kind of feels like, you know, he's like demonstrating a dance for them to follow. It Mm -hmm. feels like he's just, they've just said, do a little dance. Like nothing, there hasn't been like a funny dance choreograph that's like deliberately bad. Like he's just kind of shuffling around a bit and they can't follow it. It's just, yeah. And like, it just makes me think of the, um, like when Michael Palin is like the shouty sort of army captain in The Meaning of Life. It feels like an impression Mm of that it's very strange like coming from like another film uh i think maybe because because i just i i i guess i saw barry more before i saw monty python right because he would be on all these game shows when i was a kid and i think i only got more into monty python when i was a teenager i yeah i I haven't made that connection like that's definitely an inspiration but i was just like oh it's just barry more being barry more but like in the wrong place in the wrong way I've got um well before we move on to another thing were there any other like cameos or like guest actors yes. that you noticed So I really really enjoyed Richard Briers as the Bishop of Candleford So oh, yeah <laughs> one of the storylines is that Jerry says is the Pope a Catholic and then it cuts to kind of Peter Sissons presenting the new the actual newsreader being like oh you know the Spice Girls don't know that you know the Pope's a Catholic we've got a bishop on board but I'm like but the Bishop of Candleford is a Protestant and the Pope is a Catholic. So <laughs> this makes no sense. And I, I just thought he was, he was very funny. I thought it was a bit, we mentioned Elton John, but it was weird that he was kind of just kissed to death at the beginning for yeah no reason. Um, Jules Holland. Now that was a bit strange. Oh yeah. And um, Jonathan Ross as well as just before that oh, as well. God. That, jo- that was mega cringe, the Jonathan Ross bit, because on one hand, it was like, yeah, he was he was presenting the Spice Girls normal, but there's this whole sequence where Jerry speaks Spanish and he pretends she's speaking about Japanese or something, and it's just really again feels very dated of kind of almost like making fun of the languages that they're that they're speaking. Yeah, like oh, it's all just like it's all just gobbledygook. <laughs> yeah, yeah, whatever. But Jules Holland was a weird one because that minor storyline was that the Spice Girls were going to start working with a band. And again, what's quite funny and taking the piss out of themselves is Jules Holland is like, oh, they sound terrible. <laughs> That's quite, I don't know, interesting that they would they would allow that in a film, right? To be like, oh yeah, they sound like shit. But I'm like, again, why why Jules Holland in a band? You know, it would make so much more sense if, I don't know, the Spice Girls went on later with Jules and then they do a bad performance or something like that. Like, why is he the band leader of a band <laughs> and playing with them? It makes no sense. Yeah, it's bizarre. There's... um two other like s club related things that i've mm. picked up on since since i'm now like the world expert in <laughs> yeah. miami seven you, you can claim that for sure <laughs> like no one else has ever noticed these things that mm. they like one of the big plot points is they've got this big show coming up at the albert hall which they're all really worried about and they say that it's going to be broadcast live to the whole world <laughs> which is something that also yeah. comes up in the s club seven show like it's kind of 
we need to raise the stakes even more. It's not just a big show. It's going to be broadcast live to the entire world, every country, because that's something that happens. And again, with the Spice Girls, it kind of makes more sense because they were a worldwide smash. With S Club, it makes zero sense <laughs> because they're just an unknown band in the US. And um, there was another bit when they're in Italy and they're surrounded by all these like muscly men. And Mel B, I think it is, points at one of them and goes... Look at his muscles. It's like he's got a load of ferrets burrowing under there. (laughs) And that is like verbatim a line from the S Club TV show. Is it? Kim Fuller was so pleased with that one. He was like, I'm going to use this again. (laughs) Oh, wow. That is, that, again, explains a lot. I think it's Bradley. He says something about like, yeah, oh, you know, these muscly men look like they've got like ferrets burrowing under their chest. (laughs) As if that's like a common observation. (laughs) Uh, I mean, I did enjoy the fact that the compromise was that these very tacky sailors then wore suits, but then it turns out that ass cheeks was a bit... I, I enjoyed that because it's like, actually, we're objectifying some men for a second. And and it's a man objectifying a man as well, the Italian guy. Yeah, that was, that was funny. Yeah, I remember seeing a tweet ages ago where, like, a gay man did a tweet where it was like uh, a screenshot of that scene in the film and the tweet was like... This is when I knew it was over for me. <laughs> it was over. Oh, that was like a gay, like a gay awakening. I'm not surprised, you know. Ferrets in the chest, ferrets in the bomb. Um. <laughs> that is bizarre. What else have I got? Yeah, there's um thinking about like songs they perform. Mm. They perform wannabe in a cafe because we get a sort of flashback to a fictional backstory mm-hmm. where they used to which hang is not out accurate Sophie don't don't forget it's not accurate okay <laughs> and this is another cameo actually the cafe is run by uh the dad from Fleabag ah yeah 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 and yeah I, I enjoy this bit I originally wrote down I would have liked more of this backstory stuff but then I realized that's basically what all of the S Club TV show is. It's just 20 hours of backstory <laughs> for a band. So a maybe I don't want I don't want that from the Spice Girls, actually. That was enough. Yeah. I well, given that they're with their friend Nicola in that, what what did you think of that whole Nicola subplot? <laughs> I I like the fact that, again, it's quite I think it's quite progressive the fact that she is like gonna be a single mum and it's just like a, a matter of fact thing. Like there's no there's there's a mention of like Trevor leaving her, but it's never like but she's oh, you're so gonna get chilled. back with Trevor. <laughs> That's what got to me. It's like she's just like it's kind of like oh how are you doing? I oh yeah, by the way, Trevor left. Tre- me. So anyway, and it's like hang on a second, like she doesn't need him. Trevor was clearly useless. <laughs> she's got she's got five godmothers for the child who are five never best around. friends. They're her five best friends. She can't pick between them, and I'm like, all right, Nicola, come on, mate. Like surely, surely one of them is. Uh, you're closer to than the other yeah it did it really made me laugh when she's like heavily pregnant she's i think she's overdue isn't she yeah yeah and they get a night off and they're like let's take her out to the club (laughs) i think mel b says let's go really mental (laughs) i was thinking are you doing that for her or are you doing that for you and i i did quite enjoy that in every scene she's basically wearing a variation on the same outfit like a, a cardigan with a little backpack, like including going to the club. I'm like, Do you know what, Nicola? Fair play. You know, you're pregnant. You found your outfit. Even when you're going to the club, uh, you're, you're you're sticking with your little backpack and the and the cardigan. 
yeah, she's got this group of friends. She hardly sees them. And then they call up and they're like, oh, we're free. Let's go and like dance to some music and not talk to each other. And you have to just put up with it. And yeah. obviously she goes into labor at the club. Of course she does. Yeah. I, I liked the fact that there were mobile phones in this film. Because yeah, they sort of was... grab one, don't they, to call an ambulance? Yeah, exactly. But I think some yeah, and obviously Richard E. Grant is always on his mobile phone because, I mean, I think I only got a mobile phone for the first time in like two thousand or something. Yeah, I didn't have one uh, when I was five. No, it was yeah. like early high school, I think. So I was like, oh, okay, because if if someone had asked me like, is this a film where there are mobile phones? I would have said absolutely not. But uh, yeah, it's the beginning there. But yeah. Yeah, the Nicola thing, I, I think I'm with you in that, like, oh, it's nice that they have their, their other friend and, you know, she, she's the important one. You know, better that as a subplot than, like, a boyfriend or something like that. But again, handled very bizarrely, I thought. <laughs> yeah, it didn't really need to be there, but I did quite enjoy the bit where she's going into labour and they're on the bus and the things that they're coming out with, like... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Emma is worried that the baby is going to come out immediately. And Victoria is like, well, it won't get very far. She's still got, got her, her tights on. on. Yeah. <laughs> and Jer- again, a, quite an adult joke. Jerry says she has to put her legs together. And Mel B is like, it's a bit late for that. She should have done it nine months ago. Indeed. Yeah, I <laughs> I really thought, like, I, I laughed at most of the jokes in this film because even... Even when the situation is ridiculous, I did think the the joke laughter rate was much higher than any of the S Club episodes I've watched for this podcast before. Yeah, definitely. It's a lot more... I don't know, there's just a lot going on, isn't there? And it is, like, focused on, like, one-liners and stuff. And even a lot of them are quite sort of, like, dad-jokey, but, mm. they're, like, the girls really, like, try to sell it as mm-hmm. much as they can. Yeah. Contraction. Okay, deep breathing, that's the thing. Not you, Victoria, her. Right, does anybody know how to deliver a baby? Don't look at me. Don't worry, I know all about home delivery. Yeah, right. Well, I read it in a book. Okay, the first thing to do is um, put your legs together. Well, that's a bit late. She should have done that nine months ago. Oh, don't make me laugh, please. Do not make her laugh because it'll just shoot out like a cannonball. No, seriously, now. What if the baby comes out right now? Well, it's not going to go very far, is it? I mean, look, she's still got her tights on. Stay up there. We're not ready for you yet. I can't, I mean, out of all of them, I don't want to, you know, pit women against each other, but who do you think is, like, giving the best performance for you in this film? I I think Jerry gave the best performance in this. Um, Yeah, I think I I have my opinion on who would be the joint worst, but as you said, (laughs) maybe let's not pit pit women. But I, yeah, I, I, I thought Jerry was the best, and even the ones I thought weren't so good, I was like, it's nothing... But maybe, but maybe, Sophie, we've just been tainted by S Club. <laughs> but again, they're, they're pop stars. They're not actors, right? So, I, yeah, I, I thought given the script, given the situation, I, I thought they did a good job. Yeah, I think Mel C is good. I think she's quite a natural like mm-hmm. actor. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Victoria is bad, but I love it. I just, <laughs> she's got almost a sort of like, I don't know, it's quite camp. It's very camp. I, I love her facial expressions. Like, you know, I, I tweeted about, oh, you know, I have to watch uh, Spice World for because I'm guessing on a podcast tomorrow. And when you type in Spice World into Giphy, I think the top one that comes up is 
when they're in the the hospital with Nicola and she's just pulling <laughs> a face and it's, it is really really funny and yeah I, I the way that she plays into the whole she's very girly and when when it's the army scene she's wearing you know a, a camo dress and some high <laughs> heels and all she cares about is the little black Gucci dress I'm like yeah it, 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 that was enough for me yeah one thing that really made me laugh was um when they get taken to see that boy in a coma in the hospital oh god and they're all sort of like really gently like whispering and introducing themselves and then victoria just goes and i'm victoria malkin <laughs> <laughs> that really made me laugh like that's possibly my biggest laugh of the film and i think it's just partly the line and partly her delivery of it yeah no i uh, i i enjoyed her as well <laughs> that's what I'm going to take away from this film. Just And I'm Victoria Malcolm. <laughs> that was another weird bit in the hospital where the baby is born mm. and it's a girl and Jerry goes, now that is girl power. <laughs> it's like, is it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess, yeah, it's a single woman producing another woman. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it's all been about. The feminism of this film. Yeah, and I, I mean, it was quite enjoyable having the nurse being like, well, I meant to watch the Spice Girls this evening. Hopefully see you there, ladies, as well. <laughs> yeah, that was weird because she said it at first as if like almost she hadn't recognised them mm. because she was like, oh, I'm going to see the Spice Girls later. And it wasn't in any kind of like knowing way. It was just like as if she didn't realise they were sitting next to her. Exactly. And then yeah. she was like, oh, I'll see you later. <laughs> like, that, do you think they're going to be there like before you if you, you're leaving now and they're still in like the labor oh. ward? And let's not get started with how quickly they got onto the stage and how different their outfits and makeup was because that's oh, just Oh, yeah, not that realistic. was quick. Very quick. That was yeah. a quick change at the end. I watched, I think it was last year, there was a series on Channel 4 called something like how girl power changed Britain or something like that, mm -hmm. um, all about the Spice Girls. And I remember there was one bit, it, a lot of it was about like how the tabloids were just really horrible about them at the time, which obviously mm -hmm. I didn't realise because I was like five when they mm -hmm. were around. Um, but yeah, just how they were sort of vilified for being these sort of like confident, outspoken women, like they wanted to take them down a peg or two. Definitely. And I remember there was this one bit where I think two of them were pregnant at the same time. Like it was announced during a tour that Victoria and one of the other ones was pregnant. And the press were being all like, oh, they're bad role models. Little girls are going to want to be pregnant now. And it's oh like, what are you talking about? Like, what can they do? Yeah, but that's just typical, isn't it? Although I will say, speaking of that, I did not like that scene where... It's the flashback of what it would be like when they have children. And oh, Mama yeah. is playing in the background. And it's like all these kind of stereotypes of like single... And they're all dressed really like raggedy and joking about having six kids that they can't remember. I was like, oh, this is, this is not dated well. Yeah, Mel sees in like a shell suit, like yeah. that kind of scouse stereotype thing. And yeah, yeah. That was a weird one. And again, very confusing logically because the kids are upstairs playing Spice Girls music mm -hmm. and Jerry is like hitting a broom against the roof, like, turn off that racket. And it's like, but it's your music. What are you talking about? Could you not have got a different song for this scene? <laughs> no, but they, they had to use Mama and that's the only way that they could do it. But like, yeah, but I mean, that was, I 
as a Spice Girls fan, right, I enjoyed, for example, how when they're with Jules Holland, there's this really long and unexpected intro to say you'll be there. When they're in the club, there's this kind of, um, I think it's in the club, where it's the remix of Who Do You Think You Are? Um, and ending it with, you know, with Spice Up Your Life. But they really didn't use the music well in the film. Mm-hmm. I thought, like, if you're... You're sending this film to Spice Girls fans, but obviously those Spice Girls fans are going to bring their mom, their dad, their brother, their sister. Like the songs are a big selling point and you should, you know, push them more. Like the fact that to become one is barely there yet. It opens with too much, which, which is very cheesy. That was, that was weird. Yeah. Considering it's an hour and a half long, there aren't that many songs performed within the film. No. Like when you consider there's always like at least one in every S club episode, you'd expect a decent amount in this. And Mm -hmm. I was listening to some of the music today on Spotify and like, for example, there's one song, I can't remember what it's called now. It's the one that's like, Never give up on the good, good times. times. And I was listening to it and I was like, well, this has been ruined for me because I'm thinking about Michael Barrymore prancing around because <laughs> that's the scene that it's used in, in the film. <laughs> I, I hadn't even realised. I blanked, I was I was too mesmerised by his performance. <laughs> <laughs> um, one, I think looking at my notes, there's, there isn't much else. One thing, we've already talked about the alien encounter. Mm. That is just like... Gross peak spice world just like what the hell is this yeah. well they're speaking a different language but somehow they can understand it completely yeah okay. yeah because they're like what's your name and then mel sees like how many k's is that yeah. very odd um oh. the only other thing i've got written down really under under a heading called maddest moments yeah, is a yeah the the kids who are like competition winners um so they get to go on the spice spice bus and the girls essentially kidnap them and take them on a boat and two of them end up in the water while why? my boy lollipop is playing why and then mark Allen cummings in the water victoria's in the water that, it, it that scene lasted for so long and i'm just like did they just want to promote is it Docklands in London or something like that? Is that is that why? <laughs> I don't understand. Yeah, and Alan Cumming isn't trying to help at all. He's just like, get me a photo of that drowning child. Yeah, which is quite funny. And um, I think it gives rise to another good uh, line from Victoria where, because she's annoyed she's fallen in the water and she goes, this dress is dry clean only, Melanie. Yeah, I, you said camp and that... I hadn't quite put my finger on it. I think that's exactly what it is. Just yeah. um, there must be like like a drag queen who's like dressed yeah. up as Victoria Beckham and done these lines. There must be. I think I'd also forgotten how much Victoria's thing was pointing. You know, she points. With yeah, like, and I was like, yeah, that really was her thing. That really was a signature move, and she does it a lot in the film. Fair play to her. <laughs> that's her special skill. Yeah. Even in that fantasy bit where they're talking about um, being the Spice Force 5 and they've all got different special skills like martial arts and Mm -hmm. explosives. Victoria doesn't even have one. She's just Victoria and she just points and purrs like a cat. (laughs) Yeah, that I didn't I didn't enjoy Glenn from Superstar going hubba hubba or whatever it was. To, yeah, uh, the way they talk about them is quite creepy. Like Mm -hmm. there's a bit, isn't there, where they say like, Oh, but can they act? And one of them goes, well, did anyone care if Marilyn Monroe could act? Yeah. Rude. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Do Um, you have anything else at all that you want to discuss? Because there's a lot to unpack. (laughs) There's a lot to unpack. I think, 
you know, I also have the maddest moments heading. The only thing that I have is the line when they're at the hospital with Nicola and that, you know, she hasn't given birth yet. And one of them says, oh, you know, giving birth, my mum said it's like passing a football. And then Emma Bunton says, that's nothing. My mum said it's like passing a block of flats with balconies. <laughs> I, I think that was my biggest laugh of the film. Because I'm just like, <laughs> the double meaning of like passing is in passing by. <laughs> or the passing a block. I mean, genius, demented genius. What can I say? Yeah, and I think one other line I've got written down is um, when it looks like the show isn't going to happen at the end, two things that Clifford says. He says, um, the show will go on even if he has to round up four friends and personally dress as Victoria. (laughs) (laughs) And then when it escalates even further, he says that if they still haven't turned up, he's going to go on stage and hang himself live (laughs) and he's got a noose ready to go. Honestly, I, like I said, Richard E. Grant is fucking amazing this time. I think maybe knowing a bit more about him now where he just seems like quite a down-to-earth person. I, I don't know. I, I've, I've, I've heard him on podcasts and stuff. Like, he just really embraces the role and has some killer lines. Um, he seems like he's having a lot of fun and, yeah, just such an unhinged performance in the best way. Yeah. It reminds me of... Um, because I'm thinking like a lot of people must have taken part in this film because their kids loved mm-hmm. the Spice Girls and it reminds me of that do you see that Mads is it Mads Mikkelsen yeah Mads Mikkelsen who was in a Rihanna music video and apparently oh yeah he, he didn't know who Rihanna was and his, he was like yeah my kids were screaming at me like what the fuck like how can you not even be considering not doing you've got to do this he was just like Rihanna who whatever <laughs> and yeah I I do wonder like how much were the cameo yeah what's the breakdown of like money versus wanting to be in a Spice Girls film because I would imagine with Richard E. Grant like probably I don't know his kid loved it and and he was up for it whereas I can imagine Roger Moore having like kids or grandkids who were like oh you have to do that exactly Um, he looks like he's having fun as well yeah no that that was really great but no I think the I think my only other kind of general note is it made, you know, so I, I kind of know which Spice Girl songs I like, but there were a few that kind of just briefly played in the background, like Denying and Saturday Night, where I was like, oh my God, I haven't heard these songs in years. And yeah, it really made me want to go and, and listen to, I think the second Spice Girls album is, is it, it's Spice World, right? The, the second Spice Girls album. Yeah, I think it came out to kind of like coincide with the film, the second album, as far it, as I remember. It's definitely not as good as the first one, but I think there are some bangers on there that I'd forgotten. Yeah, I think I read they were like writing it while making the film. Oh my god! Like again, just just that whole S Club thing again, where it's like, let these people have a rest. Come yeah. on! But it's again, it, but it's so true. Like that must have been what was happening. That's it's what's amazing that it's you know it's playing out in front of you, and you're like, ha ha ha! But that is actually what was happening. And they were like, a few months later, they were like, we've had enough. We're going to manage ourselves from now mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. And Simon Fuller sat down and went hmm uh, let's torture some other young people <laughs> i'm going to create a band who are even younger and even more impressionable and won't be you know won't have their own opinions oh, not awesome. i'm not like trying to criticize s club seven anyway because obviously they were so young you know i'm not expecting them to be like you know jerry halliwell but mm-hmm. yeah it was just a clear motive was like you know as that quote you know said at the beginning it was like i wanted to make a band that wouldn't 
do this to me. Mm-hmm. Just, I don't know, Simon, can you not go and get your kicks elsewhere? <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, the Spice Girls film was such a success, we're going to do like a 20-hour version, <laughs> essentially. So it w- would you watch the animated sequel if it comes out? I mean, I would, but it doesn't appeal to me that much. I mean, they do. Would they, would it be animated because, like, I don't know, they want to be like how they used to be? Like, are they going to be the same sort of young well, age? What I Wikipedia said is that it would feature the band of superheroes. So I wonder if it's like that thing of like, oh, superhero films are very in, and if it's an animated <laughs> film, you can make them do anything. <laughs> but no, I think I, just... I think they need to move on. They've done a reunion tour. Everyone mm-hmm. loved it. I think maybe leave it there did you ever I mean, see them live no i didn't know neither which is which is sad i i would have liked to see them live but yeah, i think i wouldn't I have mean, even thought about it like to to try and get tickets i saw hansen and steps and that was difficult enough <laughs> yeah it would have been mad trying to get tickets for that mm-hmm. um like they yeah they've changed so much i've been recently watching a lot of um drive to survive have you seen that at all no i've not even heard of it i think uh it's a documentary series on netflix about formula one oh right there we go. that's why i, I <laughs> but i tell you what i had no interest in formula one before but this series is really entertaining and lots of people have like got into it and then got into formula one as a result oh, and unfortunately wow. i'm one of those people <laughs> um and basically jerry is in it a lot because she's married to Christian Horner, who's like the leader of the Red Bull racing team. So like there are all these bits where it's like Christian at his big country mansion with, you know, Jerry and the kids and the horses. It just feels like she's a completely different person now. It's very odd. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. I mean, watching it back, you're like, oh gosh, you know, you see the Spice Girls every now and again. Uh, I mean, I've especially seen kind of, especially the Mel's popping up um recently uh but yeah whenever i think about jerry horner and her very different life i'm like yeah this is uh this is a very different person yeah i am when i googled spice girls today the first i took a screenshot of this the first um news story that came up from yesterday was a Jerry Horner's new horse barn is knocking out the local village's phone signal, neighbours claim. <laughs> so that just shows how everything has changed. She's now in the country building a horse barn, annoying the neighbours. Well, I mean, she is a massive Tory, right? Jerry Halliwell, and always was and said that Margaret Thatcher had girl power. So yeah. that, that has always interested me because she was definitely the girl power one, the, the feminist one, but you know. Um, some limits to that, I would say, if you're a massive fan of Maggie T, who who was really was like, I'm not, I'm not a feminist at all. No, yeah, what did she say? Either. It was something like the original Spice Girl or something. Yes, yes, that was. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, uh, <laughs> ruining the Spice Girls for everyone. Which it just yeah, it fascinates me because like, I mean, she's just so bullshit, and it's like it's I'm not saying obviously that you you can't be conservative and bullshit, but I think she would have inspired a lot of people who. <laughs> Who would have not had that opinion? Malcolm, it's the Spice Girls that have come to talk to you. Isn't that wonderful? Hello, Malcolm. It's Jerry. I'm Melanie C. And I'm Victoria, Malcolm. Shh, stop it. Before we finish, do you want to... Well, you've been on this podcast multiple times before, (laughs) but if anyone's a new listener, do you want to tell people about your podcast and where they can find it? Absolutely. So I co-host the Over Underrated Music podcast with my friend Fran. 
And it's a podcast where we pick a theme, like a place, like Leeds, or a genre, like mixed gender pop groups. And um, me and my co-host, and sometimes with a guest, we try and argue whether certain artists could be considered overrated and other artists be considered underrated. And if you don't know the podcast, then I highly recommend checking out Sophie's episode with us. So we did S Club 7 as overrated and Liberty X as underrated. And uh, it was a very fun discussion. I was I was realizing today that it's been a while since we've done like a pop episode. We, we've mm-hmm. just finished season five and I think it's been very, let's say, rock and electro. And uh, I'd like to do some more pop in future. Um, I, don't, I don't think we've even really discussed the Spice Girls, so... Yeah, there's probably a lot of underrated pop groups because everyone's just kind of like, oh, it's pop, it's a load of rubbish, but yeah. actually it's really good. Like, if anything, I think, yeah, the Spice Girls music is perhaps a bit underrated because, like we were saying before, at the time, they were so unique and so, like, almost sort of anarchic, like, we're girls and we're doing what we want and we're not being quiet and polite. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, perhaps a bit underrated. Well, yeah, I uh, I think I've just realised actually we did discuss the Spice Girls, but this was such a long time ago because we did um, two special episodes where we did boy girls versus boy bands versus girl bands, mm-hmm. where we picked songs that we thought were overrated and underrated, and we had Dan Bull from the Track by Track podcast, and he's a mm-hmm. massive Spice Girls fan, so we talked about headlines which I think he he loved and thought was underrated, but I think Fran and I were like, oh no, but there's so many other other good ones, but this is why you need to have the discussion. Um, so if you're into boy bands and girl bands, I definitely recommend checking those out because it's kind of two times 20 track episodes where, you know, we're talking about the Spice Girls and Bananarama, but we're also talking about Fix and the Vamps and Ultra. <laughs> so much lesser known uh, pop bands. And yeah, it's at OU Music Pod on Twitter while it continues and at Over Underrated Music Pod on Instagram. Thank you for listening to this episode of It's an S-Pod Thing. It was edited by Alex Blondek with music by William Kitchener. If you enjoyed the podcast and want to let us know that we're your number one, please subscribe and leave us a good review. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.